Welcome to the Velocity Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy Uncle Peter. He will say words at you. On the internet, there's a bit of a phenomenon of people, primarily women, saying, I'm a princess, or I should be treated like a princess. Now, I found this interesting because there's a bit of a lack of forethought there in the speaker's terms. My daughter tried this once. She turned to me and said, I'm a princess. You should treat me like a princess. I dealt with it in a very logical fashion. I asked her if she understood how someone became a princess. She said, really, basically, no, because she's a kid and she's dumb. She doesn't know stuff. But who is a princess's father? Well, a princess's father is the king. So if she's a princess, that means I'm the king. Thus reestablishing the hierarchical order that should occur within a family, I now make my daughter bow to me whenever I enter a room. And she stopped calling herself a princess pretty quickly because apparently me walking into the room and you having to get down on your knees was a bit much for her. Should your child claim to be a princess, you can start treating her like a princess, which would mean she does everything you say or you behead her. And whenever you enter a room, she has to drop to one knee and bow her head. If she doesn't, She'll be thrown into the dungeon at least. She will not get any food. She may be executed. Because that's what happens. And then you sell her to France. Today's Quora question. What are the characteristics of scary smart people? The clear interpretation of this question to me is how do scary smart people act so that I can then act that way? And if scary smart people act in a weird way... How can I act in a weird way and then tell everyone it's because I'm scary smart? Quora seems to have no limitation on people asking the same question. And it's always to do with how do I make myself look smart? How do I justify my weird behavior? How do I copy someone else who I want to be like? How do I take my worst traits and then justify them to the world at large? Real scary smart people are just smart. And... The Kruger-Dunning effect is something we've talked about in the podcast before, is something that they're aware of because they're scary smart. So they know what they know and they know what they don't know. So I would actually say most scary smart people I've met tend to be quieter because they listen more and they let other people talk and they sit in judgment of them. And I think that the number one trait of scary smart people is they don't waste their time on Quora. Scary smart people don't spend their time asking questions on Quora. They spend their time studying they spend their time trying to learn new things or get better at stuff. They might adopt these skills or new things very easily because they are scary smart, but they're not wasting their time asking questions on Quora. So I'm sorry, person who asked this question, you are not scary smart. And because you're spending your time on Quora asking how to fake it instead of how to actually do stuff to improve yourself, 
you are never going to be scary smart and you're never going to be able to imitate a scary smart person because that would also require studying. It you would have to actually learn the traits, integrate those traits into your own behavior and start acting like a scary smart person which would probably require you to go study things and do things that you don't want to do because instead of doing anything like that, you're on Quora asking questions about how to fake it. I ran across a second Quora question that was shorter, so I figured I would stick it together so you get your sort of full five minutes of Quora questions at the beginning. The question is, the Canadian government requires workers to speak both French and English, meaning only bilingual people can work in politics. How is this fair? There's actually very little to reinterpret in this question. It's just, it has a presupposition that sort of says something about the creator or writer of the question. And this question actually presupposes that you're not capable of learning a second language. My father worked in the federal government in Canada. He was not bilingual. So to be able to move up within the government, he had to speak French quite well. So he started studying French. Thus, he was able to learn French, or at least enough French, because he was never fluent by any means, but he could do all the basics. He learned enough French to move up within the federal government and get promotions and things like that. The presupposition of this question is that you're not capable of learning another language. I learned French for most of my education in Canada, as most Canadian kids do, because it's an official language you basically have to study it in school, at least in most of the places I know. If you are focused on going into politics, you have to learn French. It's not something you have to speak perfectly. We've had lots of prime ministers who don't speak perfect French, but they were all capable. If you're going to go to Quebec and do a speech, you probably should do it in French. I have lived in Japan now for a very long time. I speak functional Japanese. Again, I don't brag about it because I can't give any political speeches, but I could probably memorize a speech and give it adequately. I could answer questions. I don't think I'm at a level where I could work in the federal government in Japan by any means, but if that was my goal, I certainly would be capable of doing it because I am capable of learning a second language. So to me, this is actually showing that the creator of this question doesn't actually believe in themselves enough. They don't believe that they are capable of learning French. They don't believe that anyone is capable of learning a second language well which is, from my experience, just not true. Anyone who goes and immerses themselves in a language studies it really hard. If you were going to study politics in school because your goal was to go into politics, I'm sure you would align that with a minor or a study of some sort in French so that you would be capable. Being Canadian, you could go move to Montreal, you could move to Quebec and immerse yourself in the language for a couple of years quite easily, thus ensuring that you're capable of speaking French. Normally, I kind of crap on these questions, but I think really this one is someone who needs a little more support because if you want to go into politics in Canada, you can learn French. It's really that simple. You just, I mean, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. You have to study. I hated it. I hated studying French. I was never very good at it. The only reason I got into university is because my grade 12 high school teacher, Mr. Bongo, basically gave me the minimum passing score. He sat down at the beginning of the year and said, Peter, as long as you try, I will pass you. So my grade didn't matter. He knew that if I didn't pass this course, I wasn't going to university. And that would have been very unfair to me as a student who was okay in school and trying quite hard at the time, because I really did want to go to university. He didn't feel like that was a fair requirement, because I wasn't going to be studying French in university, I wasn't going to go into this kind of field. But I did try, and he passed me. So I have some adequate French. 
So you just got to take a moment and say, if this is the job I want, I have to study this extra thing. But if you're going to go into accounting, you have to study math and accounting. If you're going to go into anything, you have to study that thing. Going into the government in Canada or going into politics in Canada means you have to study French. That's just part of it. It's not a big deal. It's something that you are perfectly capable of doing. Extra bonus question. Are Quebecois to Canada what Southern rednecks are to America? No, there are different words for those things because they are different things. If you have different words, there's probably some different traits involved. Uh, that's kind of how language works. I have always taken a lot of supplements in my life. I've always taken vitamins. Uh, back when I was doing judo very seriously, I did protein and creatine and all the teens. I did all the things to supplement maybe the lack of nutrition I might be getting. I was very worried about not getting everything I needed because primarily what I wanted was to make sure that my body had all the resources to heal as quickly as possible because I was doing so much damage to it regularly. So I've always been a big believer in vitamins. Uh, I've always taken vitamins. Most people who don't take vitamins will quite often turn around and tell you that it's a waste of money. You take vitamins and you just pee it all out. It just makes your pee yellow. You're spending money to make your pee yellow. I've heard those kind of statements multiple times in my life. What I have found, though, is the times I didn't take vitamins, I would get run down and I would get sick every month or two months. Basically, every two months, I was taking a day off work and sleeping most of the day, and then I was fine. When I was taking vitamins, that didn't happen. I didn't get sick. Uh, I even went so far as to get some relatively expensive vitamins, which cover a whole pantheon of things that you probably don't need. But then I figured if I didn't need it, I would just pee it out. But if I did need it, it would be there in my body for my body to use. And I do not get sick very often compared to the time in my life when I wasn't taking vitamins. So I believe in vitamins. Now, what people then say, because they're not hearing the answer they want, they want you to agree with them and go, yes, I have been wasting money for years and years on these things. I will stop taking them now and live a shitty life like you do. And they usually say it while they're smoking or something. They will then bring out the placebo effect. It's psychosomatic. It's all in your head. The reason you got sick when you weren't taking vitamins is because you were tired or whatever, but then you take vitamins and you don't believe you're going to get run down. You don't believe you're going to get sick and then you don't get sick. So it's all in your head, so you should stop taking vitamins, and you should, you know, maybe have a stronger mind. The way I look at it is I don't want to be sick. So I don't really care if it's psychosomatic. I don't really care if it's a deficiency in my body. If it's something in my body and I take vitamins and it replaces whatever I need, and then I don't get sick, that's great. If it's psychosomatic and I don't get sick, I still think it's worth the money. The important thing to me isn't whether or not it's real in my body. The important part to me is that I don't get sick anymore. Now, I have actually learned that the placebo effect is quite often stronger if you pay more money for the fake medicine, which means maybe my more expensive vitamins that I buy now is actually increasing the placebo effect. Or maybe they run a gambit of things that other vitamins don't do that I am actually, again, fulfilling the deficiency that I have in my body. But the result is the same as far as I'm concerned. I am not getting sick. Now, this is frustrating to those people who bring this to me because what they want is, again, for you to agree with them and stop taking vitamins because they don't take vitamins. The irony here is most of those people eat terribly and look awful. I could probably kill them with one hand. So I absolutely consider not getting sick to be worth the money. I don't care if it's a placebo effect. 
I don't care if it's a real thing. All I care about is I'm not getting sick. So if you'd like some vitamin recommendations, I got some good ones for you. So the main topic today is people who call themselves brutally honest. These are generally people who will say, you come out with some new clothes and they'll look at you and go, I don't like those clothes. I don't think that looks good on you. Or you get a haircut and they go, I don't think it's a good haircut. I don't think it suits you. And you say, oh man, that was a bit mean. And they turn around and go, well, I'm just being honest. I'm a brutally honest person. There is some lack of understanding there because the behavior pattern is very simple. Brutally honest people only say mean direct things to other people. They never say brutally honest things in a positive way. If someone was truly brutally honest, when you walked in and they saw you, they would go, you look better today than any other day I've ever seen you. That would be pretty brutally honest. You look better than 98% of the people who surround you on any given day. That's pretty brutally honest. You know what? I think you're a smarter person than me. That is also pretty brutally honest. But you'll actually find that people who claim to be brutally honest don't tend to say these kinds of things. I have never heard a brutally honest person say, you are clearly a superior genetic specimen than me, and it intimidates me, so I belittle you to compensate for my feelings of inadequacy. That is pretty brutally honest. And this is the second part. Brutally honest people never tend to be brutally honest about themselves. They never point out their own faults, and they are never self-reflective. Now, my concern is that I'm pretty sure I used to be one of these people. I used to say shitty things to people fairly directly and couch it in the claim that I was being brutally honest or very direct, something like that. But I think what I was really doing was belittling other people so that I would feel better about myself because I have just as many inadequacies as anyone else on the planet. Uh, certainly, I felt them and couched them and covered them primarily with sarcasm and as I've gotten older and more comfortable and confident in my own skin, I don't feel the need to do that to other people. I think I have become a kinder person. You might not get that feeling from this podcast because I tend to crap on everything I come across. But what I often try to do in real life when I meet people is maybe show them where their weaknesses are, but hopefully try to help them fix it or at least give them what they need to do to fix it and then leave it to them. I'm not going to sit there and shit on them forever. I am clearly easily annoyed though. And I'm usually easily annoyed because people are not thinking before they do something or say something. So what you need to do is get the brutally honest person to start talking about themselves in a brutally honest way. A very sensible thing for a brutally honest person to say about themselves would be, I didn't study enough and feel like I've never really achieved true success. So I feel a general dissatisfaction in malaise in my life. And I don't feel like I'll ever be happy in a deep and profound way. That's a pretty brutally honest statement. If they can do that, then when they turn around and tell you your shirt is ugly, that's absolutely fine. But until you're getting both sides, it's unfair for them to do that because they're not being brutally honest, they're being mean. 
So the next time someone says something awful and they try to cover up their being a dick by saying, I'm just a brutally honest person, start asking them questions about themselves. Ask them, what is your biggest inadequacy? And I want you to be brutally honest. What are the worst things you've done? And I want you to be brutally honest. What is horrible about you? What could be your biggest improvement? And I want you to be brutally honest and see if the terms of their language changes. Because if it doesn't, you can then call them out on not being brutally honest. If they do do it, you can then push them every time they say something mean to someone else to say something mean about themselves. So either they will stop saying mean things about other people to get out of this pattern, or they might actually start to improve themselves by realizing their inadequacies. If someone is being brutally honest and saying awful things about someone else, you can turn and start saying awful things about the way they talk to people. The way you talk to people is wrong, it's hurtful, and you're a bad person. I'm just being brutally honest and see how they react. And if they react negatively, you can point that out. Being brutally honest is not helping people if it just hurts their feelings, if it doesn't change the situation. So I have very poor fashion sense. If someone wants to make fun of my fashion sense, I actually think that they need to either help me change it or give me some advice or do something to teach me about it before they actually have the right to complain. But I think you'll find the brutally honest people are never self-aware about their brutal honesty. There are two ways I was thinking about finishing this. One, have people write in their brutally honest statements about themselves, the brutally honest statements they've heard people make to others, or, or the worst things they've said to other people while couching it and be pretending to be brutally honest, and then coming up with an apology for it, or at least turning that camera back on themselves. Then I can have the fans send stuff in just like Jimmy Fallon does with hashtags because the shit thing about that is he doesn't do any work. He's crowdsourcing his jokes at that point. It's a pretty smart thing to do. If I could crowdsource enough people to actually have them send in all the content, then I wouldn't have to sit here and think anymore. One of the problems before I started episode 101, and this is episode 102, so the last episode was for a couple of days... I'd been thinking about episode 100 so much and planning it out that I realized I may have not had any ideas and then suddenly I thought, maybe I've only had 100 ideas and I've now run the full course. Quora questions have been a big boon for me because that is essentially the same thing. It's crowdsourcing, getting content from somewhere else that hasn't struck me mentally so that I don't have to sit down and think of a bunch of ideas for things to talk about. So if you have any brutally honest statements that you've made or someone's made to you or around you, or if you'd like to make some brutally honest statements about yourself, please feel free to tweet them at Velocipeter, or you can email velocipodcast at gmail.com. And if I get enough, I can make a five minute segment out of it. Uh, you're not going to get paid or anything. If you're open to it, I would be more than happy to give you credit. You're not going to get, you know, doxxed by my fans because, because they're too smart to waste their time with that kind of crap. And if I'm being brutally honest, I need to find a better way to finish podcast segments. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes. Stitcher, a cast or go to velocipeter.com slash podcast.